Good evening. It's April 2nd, and it's the first episode of Scotty Knows Podcast. Uh, I'm Scotty, in case you didn't know. <laughs> um, so I'm starting this at a time when there is actually no sports going on. And uh, I read today the last time that there was a, not a baseball game on any day in the month of April was 1883. Um, so this is unprecedented uh, in a way that we have no sports at all going on right now. So I figured uh, what better way to kick off this, uh, this podcast than to um, reminisce about um, how I became such a lover of all sports and what triggered certain things. Um, and hopefully it'll cause you guys to think about that and reminisce about when you were a kid and things you loved about each sport. I'm going to start with football because I love football more probably than any other sport. Um, the first game that my dad, who from this point forward will be called coach, for those of you who do not know me, uh, first game that coach took me to when I was six years old uh, was in December of 1970, and it was the Giants versus the Buffalo Bills um, in December of 1970. Um, I'd never gone to a football game, and the game was at Yankee Stadium. The Giants were still playing at Yankee Stadium back then. Um, and those of you who know me know I am a Bills fan, but may not know why I'm a Bills fan. And I will tell you that six-year-old me going to this game in the cold at Yankee Stadium, um, watching the Giants and the Bills. O.J. Simpson was in his, I believe, second season um, in the NFL at that point. And he obviously caught my eye. Um, the second reason was I thought Buffaloes were cool. <laughs> And, you know, as a fan of the Giants, and most people know the Giants have a logo that is an N and a Y. And that's really boring when you're six years old. And the Bills had the cool buffalo on their helmet. And the word buffalo made me think of buffaloes. Um, so the combination of OJ, who was amazing, and a buffalo made me like the Buffalo Bills. And I've stuck with them all this time. Um, so that is why I also like the Buffalo Bills. The Giants won that game 20-7, to but it didn't matter to me when we were leaving. Um, I asked Coach to buy me a pin. And back then, the souvenirs that you could buy at a football game were, were the felt pennants with the helmet and the team name and pins like big buttons that just had like team logos and stuff on it. And I said, I want that Buffalo 
Bill's pin, please. And, you know, and I got it. I think I might even still have it somewhere in the house. Um, so that is why I love the Buffalo Bills and the New York Giants, not just the Giants. You know, most people, when you pick your teams, right, you pick, most people will pick who they're dad was rooting for at the time because that's who you started rooting for. And that's usually how people attach themselves to teams. Um, I've always had the teams I've rooted for and coach rooted for, my brother rooted for, but I always, somewhere along the line, always found other teams to collect along the way for strange reasons, but reasons that meant something to me. Um, so staying along that lines, you know, in 1973, the Giants moved their home games to the Yale Bowl and the Yale Bowl was up in Connecticut and we happened to move to Connecticut. So coach bought a season tickets and, um, in 1973 also happened to be the year that OJ broke Jim Brown's single-season rushing record, and O.J. was the first person to go for 2,000 yards that year, which he broke on the last day of the season against the Jets, which meant that that game was going to be on TV. There was only one catch. The Giants were also home, and we were playing the Vikings at the L ball, and it was snowing that day. And I wanted nothing to do with that giant game. I wanted to go home and watch OJ break the record. And I sat there and I complained and bitched and moaned and complained for a whole half. And then finally, coach is like, I can't listen to this anymore. And we went home and, it, and I was able to watch OJ break the record. I never, I don't think ever admitted to the fact that that's why I wanted to go home. I told him I was just freezing. It's too cold. I don't want to sit out here. <laughs> and uh, he knew why, but uh, they finally uh, acquiesced and let me go watch the end of the the Bills-Jets game so I could watch O.J. break the record. Um, but it was funny. I was telling my wife today that, like, when you're little, right, the game's not quite always as important as, like, the thing that catches your attention as to why you're enjoying yourself being there. And I was saying that I can, I can to this day conjure up the smell. Like, at the Yale Bowl, it's kind of like the Orange Bowl is down here in Florida, where there was really no parking. So you kind of paid $5 to park in people's driveways and stuff and then walk into the stadium because it's in downtown New Haven and it's meant for college football, not pro football. So we'd park and then have to walk through this big grassy area out by the stadium. And the smell of charcoal and lighter fluid of everybody tailgating out there, it just, I could still smell it to today. Like that is the thing that caught my mind. That is what I knew every time we went to the giant game that, that was the smell that was going to trigger that I knew I was at a football game. And it's kind of like 
the same thing I had when Coach used to take me to Nick games when I was little. The Knicks were great back then. Um, I remember we had seen a Nick Bullets. There were still the Bullets back then. Um, playoff game. And after the game, the Knicks had won, and we were going down the staircase at the Garden. And anybody who's done that knows that, you know, after a win, those staircases, people are chanting and yelling and screaming and enjoying themselves. I remember that almost as much as the actual basketball games. I remember going down the staircase and everybody just just raising all kinds of hell because the Knicks won and screaming and being happy. And that caught, like, my eyes were big. I was like, yeah, this is awesome. You know, this is fun. And back then, you know, it, it's, you know, again, it wasn't the game, but it was the things that, that trigger the memory of being there. You know, it, it's wild. You know, the, early on when I was really small, we went to a Mets-Giants game, and that happened because Coach was a Giants fan before they moved out to San Francisco. He remained a Giants fan, um, but he was never a Yankees fan. So when the Mets came around, he became a Mets fan. So, you know, we, we went to Met games. But every time the Giants came to town, we went to see the Giants because he wanted to see Willie Mays, and rightfully so. Um. But we went to a game one night, and Willie McCovey hit a home run. And in Shea Stadium, the big scoreboard was out in right center field, went kind of from center field to right field, but it was out in right center field pretty bad. McCovey hit a shot that the ball hit so high up on the scoreboard, it smashed the Rheingold. Uh, lighted sign out in right center field. It just completely shattered it. And I thought it was, you know, it was like the natural to me. Like it was like, whoa, it was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. So although my father and my brother were huge Willie Mays guys, I became a Willie McCovey guy. Um, and it didn't hurt that McCovey was younger and I got to watch him much longer um, play much longer than than I did Willie. Willie kind of was at the end of his career by the time I was old enough to know what I was watching. Um, but again, it was the McCovey breaking the scoreboard. I was like, that was the coolest thing ever, you know, because you don't remember a lot of things. But you know, sometimes it's not the game; it's certain things that pop up into your mind. You know, the smell of the hot dog coming out of the water or something like that, that when you're a kid, you think is cool. Um, so that is why a Giants baseball fan is my second team to the Mets um, because Willie McCovey was bad. At, it was a very, very bad man. And... Uh, you know, I didn't realize why, when you're when I was a kid, why I saw the same teams. Like, you kept seeing the same teams 
all the time and you're like, oh, we're playing them again. You don't realize, you know, like with the Knicks, we saw the Hawks all the time and the Bullets all the time. Um, Why would the Hawks? You know, and then you don't realize it was because Pete Maravich was playing on the Hawks and we were going to good games, you know, and it was Wes Unseld and uh, Elvin Hayes and, and Phil Chenier on those Bullets teams and Earl Monroe. And, you know, we saw great players, but I was too little to really appreciate that. Um, but I love being at the games. You know, the Knicks had a guy in the early 70s by the name of Hawthorne Wingo. And he was awful. He came in. It was garbage time player. That was it. But the garden crowd, for some reason, loved this dude. And we'd yell, and they'd yell, Wingo, Wingo. Right? And so that was cool to me. So I immediately, Hawthorne Wingo was my dude. I couldn't wait for the end of the game. So Hawthorne Wingo would come into the game. You know, and it's little things, you know, like that that's, People wonder why you, you know, why do you love sports so much? It's not necessarily the games that that got you to love it. It's the moments, you know, the things that you think about. Um, so another weird uh, connection I have um, in college football is I'm a Tennessee Volunteers fan, which is weird when you were born in Brooklyn. And lived in Connecticut your whole life. Um, so I will explain how that came across now. Because it's even bigger than I even knew when I was little. So I became a Tennessee fan back in 1972. Um, and it's funny because back then college football, you saw... It was maybe two games a week that were on TV, you know, maybe, you know, when there were night games, it was a Saturday night game. And I remember this game was getting ready to come on and I didn't know what a bowl game was at that point. I was at eight years old. I was at the time, but I knew it was an LSU Tennessee game. And I started at the beginning of that game, when they were announcing the players, um, I was all about LSU. They had the yellow and the purple uniforms. They had that cool Tiger logo. And I was like, yeah, LSU. Then the game started, and Tennessee had this quarterback, Comrade Holloway. And that dude was something special. And I had no idea, you know, it how amazing it was that he was quarterback of Tennessee, um, being that he was the first African-American quarterback in the SEC. That meant nothing to me, obviously, as an eight-year-old. I knew nothing about that. I just knew this dude was different. And he was amazing. And I was like, that's my dude. I am with that. Tennessee is my team now. And that is how I became a Tennessee Vols fan for no other reason other than one player that I, at eight years old, knew was a different dude than everybody else on the field that night. Um, and Tennessee won the game. 
It happened to be the uh, later looking up. It happened to be the Astro Blue Bonnet Bowl. <laughs> Back when bowls actually just had names, not sponsors. And it was uh, an amazing performance by an amazing dude. And um, proud to be a Tennessee Vol because of that. And it was uh, an amazing thing. So there's, you know, there's things that draw you to to certain things. And, and you know, basketball, it was really the first basketball player that I really said wow to. Um, was an ABA player by the name of Julius Irving. Dr. J was that dude. Um the net games were on TV, uh, so we got to watch them. And there were two things that were really cool about that. Is that, number one, the ABA used that really cool red, white, and blue basketball. So when you're a kid, those are things like that matters. Like, that ball is cool. I'm going to watch this game. He goes, and uh, Dr. J had that huge afro, and he was dunking, and he just was the coolest dude, man. He was the shaft of the basketball league, man. He was wild. And, you know, the ABA had some characters, you know, and when you're little and you see people what seem to be having more fun, the ABA seemed to be a more fun league. So the artist Gilmore's and, the, you know, the the Larry Keenan, the, the Spurs were really good and George McGinnis you know, those guys, and all the ABA seemed to be way more fun, and they had the cool basketball. And I watched a lot of ABA basketball games when I was little because, well, the Nets were good, so that helped. And, you know, Dr. J. And turns out that he turned out to be a pretty good player. He wasn't just a dunker. He turned out to be a pretty good dude. And the flashy is what catches your eye when you're a kid, right? There's a when I coached youth football down here, you know, from the day Odell Beckham made that one-handed catch against the Cowboys, which was an amazing catch, one of the greatest catches of all time. Every kid, every kid, and we're talking, you know, doesn't matter what color, white kids, girls. It didn't matter. Everybody's out there trying to catch the ball one-handed. Like in before practice when they're goofing around, it's, oh, no, back, I'm one-handed. Flash matters. And uh, when I was little, the first guy that caught my eye playing football was Elmo Wright. For those of you who don't know, Elmo Wright was the first dude to do an end zone dance. He did a high step. It wasn't really even, probably wouldn't even qualify as a dance nowadays for what goes on in the end zone. But he got into the end zone and he just did a, he did high knees basically, but it was fun. So the Chiefs were fun and Elmo Wright was my dude and nobody probably, aside, you know, nobody probably knows that dude's name uh, except for people my age and older, and the only reason they know his name is because the high knees into the end zone. And then after that, it was Billy White Shoes Johnson 
with the knees thing, doing, you know, getting into the end zone and doing a knee dance. And that's kind of where it, it started because that was more of a dance in the end zone. And it was cool, man. Every time we touched the ball, you're like, go score a touchdown, Billy White Shoes. I want to see the dance. And it wasn't about the football. Anymore. You didn't care who won or lost, you know, unless they were, you know, obviously playing the Giants, but you were the Bills, but you didn't care who won the game or who lost the game. It was, I want to see Billy White Shoes Johnson. And those are things that make you want to watch football. You know, I remember, you know, right up until, she's like ESPN started, which is like high school for me. There were no highlights. You know, there were no, you never got to see any. Monday night, at halftime of the Monday night game, they'd show highlights from the game on Sunday. And, you know, unless, you know, they were, you know, you saw the two games. You saw the Giant game, the Jet game, and there was one other game opposite the 4 o'clock game in a window. But you didn't see any other games. You didn't know how, you know, you didn't see any great plays. It wasn't break-ins and all of that now. You know, you had to wait for highlights for like a whole night and then beg to stay up late enough to watch them at halftime. <laughs> so, again, you know, it was – it's those little things you remember. You remember where you were when great things happen. Sports, like you remember when great things happen. It's not necessarily, I want to watch this space. You just know something great could happen at any moment in any sport that you've never seen before. And that's cool. You know, and that's why sports are things that incredible. Another team that I adopted along the way, college basketball team, was Marquette Warriors. And this goes back probably even way further because Marquette wore uniforms. They were powder blue and gold, which are very nice. But they had shirts that didn't tuck in. And the college, the college name said Marquette across the bottom of the shirt, not the top. And I thought that was cool too, man. I'm like, they're so different. And it didn't hurt that they were great. And Al McGuire was a great coach. And that Bo Ellis and Jerome Whitehead were great players. And they won and they beat St. John's. They won an NIT, which was the tournament back then. And I think it was 69 or 70 or something like that. And I remember watching that at my, uh, my grandpa's house in Brooklyn, Sheepshead Bay. And we watched the, the basketball games there on Saturdays. We'd go there every Saturday and watch. You know, so I remember, you know, fond memories of being at my grandparents' house watching, you know, college basketball. And my, my mom's mom, my, <laughs> my grandma, she loved watching wrestling. So that's <laughs> so that's how I got into watching wrestling for a while because my grandma loved watching wrestling and superstar Billy Graham. And it was uh it was very uh entertaining. So for a lot of people, I know sports brings back memories of your parents, your pops, your grandpa or even just your friends. You know, you can remember 
I went to a Met game with my best friend Frankie. And this was in the 86 season where the Mets won the World Series. We drove out to Shea. It was about a 45-minute ride out to Shea. We went out to Shea, and Mike Bilecki was on the mound for the Mets, and he was probably pitching the best game of his career. And it was about an hour and 45-minute game, and it was a one nothing Met win. And the only, the only run of the game was on a Gary Carter home run. And we went – we were standing in line to get food – it was like the fifth inning or sixth inning. And I said to Frank, I said, I'm going to go see what's going on down there. And I walked out. And just as I walked out, I saw the home run. And <laughs> Frankie standing in the line goes, what just happened? And I said, you know, Carter hit a home run. It was great. It was like one of three hits in the whole game. The game was almost over. We stood in line, I think, almost as long as the game was, it seemed. It was hysterical. We laugh about that to this day that, like, the only run of the game, Frankie never saw it happen. Things like that are why people love sports. You know, there are people that have never played that love it. You know, I I played just about every sport. Not ice hockey. I played street hockey. I didn't play ice hockey. But I played baseball. I played basketball. I played football as a kid. I played football longer as an adult. I played semi-pro football with the Connecticut Giants. And, you know, it's just, there's nothing like it, the camaraderie of being on a team and all of that. But even people that have never played have a passion for it because most of the time it's because their dad did or their mom did or their grandpa did. And they took them to a game and they had a great time. So, you know, don't lose, you know, when you don't have games on now and you have, you, you're losing your mindset. I want a game. I got to see a game. You know, go back and tap that memory bank that you have because you can remember these games. I'm, I can remember a whole games if I had to. Um, if you quiz me, like big moments in Giants football history from the time I was born, I can tell you where I was, what happened the three plays before that. Because I was sitting with my brother for most of those games and a great time, or I was at home on a bit when they were on the road, I was home with coach um, watching those games at my mom and those moments are amazing. When the Giants beat the 49ers to go to the Super Bowl in 1990, when Chris Matt Barr was about to kick that field goal, Coach and I both on our knees in front of the TV begging for that thing to go through. I mean, you can't forget things like that. Those memories are priceless. Um, it's unfortunate that the price of tickets has gone up so much that people really can't afford to go to many games. I was fortunate prices of tickets was cheap and coach took me to a million games, all sports. And I remember each and every one of them and I thank him for that because those are amazing memories. So I'm gonna wrap this up for my first episode I'm going to tell you that I would love for you to go onto the Facebook page and reach out to me and tell me some of your memories 
things that stick out in your mind, things that you did, you know, who you were with, what games you went to, how you became fans of the teams that you were fans of. And um, I'm going to try to keep these all positive until we get back to normal. And then we'll start talking about all the uh, things that are awful out there in sports. <laughs> like the Cowboys signing Alden Smith. But we're not going to talk about that kind of stuff now. We're going to keep these on a positive tip. So reach out. Let me know what you think. I know this is going to be a work in progress. This may not have been the most exciting episode, but it's information-filled. And hopefully it made you think about some of the great things that you did with your parents and or your grandparents or whoever it may be, your brothers. Um, let me know what they are. I love y'all. We out of here. Peace.